Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Saturdays with Jenny. And we're celebrating. Um, when I say celebrating, we are marking Women's Month. And uh, and you're going to hear it on Kaya FM throughout the month as we try to resolve some of the huge problems we have regarding violence against women and children. And also celebrating the work that women themselves are doing to try and, and sort out this uh, massive problem. It is a it is a problem that, as we know, is is it's it's an epidemic, and um, and of course one wants to make a difference. And so, my very very first interview uh, for Women's Month is with Professor Anusia Chinsami, and she is a vertebrate pa- um, paleontologist with the expertise in developments in the study of the microstructure. I'm going to take a deep breath of fossil teeth and bones of extinct and current vertebrates. But we're also celebrating her election as president of BirdLife South Africa. And I know that she's deeply committed to getting young people and young women in particular into the field of science. And uh, of course, she was the head of the Department of Biological Sciences, which is originally the Department of Zoology at the University of Cape Town for a period of three years. She's the author of four books, many, many scientific publications, and I'm absolutely delighted that she joins us on the line. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Jenny, thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, it's it's such a pleasure. And my very first question to you, because I was I was, you know, doing a little bit of work on some of the work that you are doing. And I just came across this one. And it is dated 2009 pathological bone tissue in a turkey vulture and a non-avian dinosaur. So help me, just help me. <laughs> oh, you start off with a difficult one, hey? <laughs> well, certainly, uh, it, it, will be, it will be my pleasure to explain to you what that study was about. So as you know, and maybe I'll explain to the listeners, I'm a paleontologist and I'm very interested in reconstructing the biology of extinct animals. And some of the extinct animals that I work on are dinosaurs. And dinosaurs, some of you may know, are the closest relatives of birds. And so if we want to understand the biology of uh, dinosaurs, we have to look at birds. So a lot of my work involves looking and studying modern birds and trying to make inferences about the biology of dinosaurs. So I was actually, in that particular um, specimen that I was working on then, the turkey vulture, was one that I had actually got from a uh, veterinary hospital where we knew for sure that this bird was infected and was ill. And uh, when the bird died, I actually obtained the bones and looked at its bone tissues. And I found this very, very unusual tissue. So normally, you know, long bones are like cylinders. They they have a, a narrow bone wall and they're long and slim. But this bone actually had outgrowths from the surface of the bone. So perpendicular from the bone surface, there were these radiating structures, bone structures. And I just put that aside. And then a couple of years later, I actually came across a dinosaur bone with exactly the same feature. Oh, my word. Yeah. 
And so we knew what caused the disease in the bird, and I then reasoned that this must be the same kind of um, pathology that is affecting the dinosaur. And so that paper basically compared the pathology in the turkey vulture, and because we found exactly the same feature in the dinosaur, we were able to say that the dinosaur probably was also affected by this particular uh, virus and that it was caused by a disease called osteopetrosis. Isn't that cool? No, no, no. I mean, it is so seriously cool. And I mean, and I write that the majority, because I, I love paleontology, that the the majority of um, uh, dinosaurs with feathers uh, have been found in China as opposed to Africa. Yes, that, that is 100% correct. So in 1996, I think it was, yes, 1996, the first discovery of feathered dinosaurs was made. And until then, People all thought dinosaurs had leptorian scaly skin like crocodiles. But when this find was made, it clearly showed that there were feather-like structures all along the body of the dinosaur. And that was the first find. It was in a dinosaur called Sinoceroptrix. And thereafter, there's a whole host of dinosaurs. Now we know almost all the very derived dinosaurs actually have these um, feathers on them. And the feathers actually, it's not just uh, one type of feather, there's several different kinds of feathers. So the first feather that was discovered is what is, what is called a proto-feather. And later on, we get more derived dinosaurs where the feathers are exactly like modern birds. In fact, I don't know if you if you read perhaps that I had I was one of the people that described a four winged dinosaur. I don't know if you ever knew that there were four winged dinosaurs, but um, it was quite incredible because normally you know we have birds and we have very um, we have dinosaurs close to birds that have just two pairs uh, two wings you know a pair of wings. But in the fossil record, there is a side branch in the evolution of dinosaurs where dinosaurs have four wings and I was involved in the description of one of these four winged dinosaurs and it's really quite incredible. There's only seven species known and these feathers in the dinosaur are exactly like modern bird feathers. But why they had a second pair of wings and how they use the second pair of wings, we still don't understand. And I have colleagues in the U.S. who are currently trying to figure that out. But, um, it's, you know, there's so much of new information coming out of these fossil localities in China. And the, the, the finds that we, we're having there are just incredible because it's not just the bone, it's the soft tissue that is also preserved. Oh, word. So, so for, for, for the Afropolitans listening to this, I mean, dinosaurs, the, I mean, somebody once said to me, I can't remember, it was some conversation I had with Lee Berger or somebody like that. And, uh, and, and, and we were talking about, and I said, you know, it is so difficult to understand how a dinosaur like uh, Tyrannosaurus rex uh, can end up as a chicken. And he laughed and he said, well, you just look at the skeleton and you, when you see the skeleton of a chicken, you will see that it is possible. 
So try and explain that to to all of us who are listening, <laughs> Professor. <laughs> okay, let's see if I can do this. So so basically, one of the the most fascinating things is that when the very first specimen of Archaeopteryx was discovered, that is the first bird fossil known in the fossil record, when it was discovered, immediately it was realized that this specimen had so many bird-like features in its skeleton, but it also had reptilian-like features. And so people understood that this is a kind of morph animal between a dinosaur and a bird. And later on, when when people began studying um, modern birds and looking more closely at the big birds, so not even a chicken, but more birds like the rhea and the ostrich and, you know, birds that are flightless and are big. And when you look at those comparisons, you can so clearly see a similar structure. So the similar three-toed arrangement of the foot, the the way in which the pelvis is structured, the organization of the bones in the forelimbs. So even though a T-Rex might have very short arms, the organization of the bones is very similar to what you can get in a chicken. And in a, in a bird late, what, actually let me go one step back and say that when we look at a, a, a T-Rex, it's of course a giant, but in the evolution, in the lineage towards birds, we see a gradual decreasing body size, we see a lightening of the skeleton, we see a fusion of the bony elements. So, you know, in the hand, for example, you get a severe reduction in the number of digits, you get fusion of the wrist bones, and all of that actually you can track in different, uh, more derived dinosaurs as we get closer and closer to birds. And I should tell you that in some of the very derived dinosaurs, what we call the many raptoran dinosaurs, they are so similar to modern birds that it's just a, a, a minor difference between them and modern birds. So, you know, so the anatomical structures are just fabulous to witness. So, in effect, if we're eating a chicken or if we're eating a guinea fowl or if we are eating a turkey, we are, in effect, eating the descendants of dinosaurs. Exactly, exactly. So, definitely, today there is absolutely consensus that dinosaurs are the ancestors of birds. In fact, today the right phrase is to say that birds are dinosaurs and everything that is not a bird is a non-avian dinosaur. So we can refer to a T-Rex as a non-avian dinosaur. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, I mean, this is just so exciting. So I can understand why you want to, you know, (laughs) rule the world because it it, it affects us. And and that little um, uh, turkey vulture, we now know that, that this has come straight, the lineage can be traced straight down to, to that particular turkey vulture. Well, not, not directly to the lineage that we have out here, but we know that the ancestry is among the dinosaurs. So we can certainly understand the origin of birds and how birds originated. And what, what is also very interesting is that the more we study dinosaurs, the more similarities we are seeing with them and birds. So, you know, the the, um, the development of the skeleton, the mm. um, the way in which the, um, the bones develop, the um, organization of the skeleton, all of that 
is actually very, very much like we see in the way in which modern birds develop. So, you know, some of the things that I'm interested in is in the uh, bone microstructure. So, you know, we touched on that a little bit. But I'm also interested in growth and development. And what I'm finding is that when we look at the bone microstructure of dinosaurs and we look at bone microstructure of birds, we can actually make direct comparisons. And this is quite astounding because when we think about dinosaur, we know that they were dead for more than 65 million years. But mm. yet, if we take their bones and make a thin section of them and look at them under the microscope, we can make these direct comparisons. Oh, and the cool thing is that you can actually identify the same structures you will see in a modern bird, you will find the same structures in a dinosaur bone. And I am just always, uh, you know, I've been doing this for (laughs) over 25 years and I'm still fascinated by the microstructure of dinosaur bones. All right. This is, I mean, I can sit and do this forever and ever. We're going to take a short break right now and just stay exactly where you are and we'll be back to you in a couple of minutes' time. Saturdays with Jenny. Well, we are talking to Professor Anusia Chinsami, who is a vertebrate paleontologist. And I don't know whether you are as absorbed as I am in this discussion. And we can only scratch the surface on it on Saturdays with Jenny. We need to spend longer with uh, with the professor. Because, uh, Professor, I want to talk to you about two things in the time left to us. One, of course, is your uh, election as president of BirdLife South Africa. And there are many, many people... Uh, listening to us who are thinking, well, what a waste of time. I mean, we can see the birds flying around and, uh, you know, I know a pigeon and I can distinguish that from a pterodactyl, for instance. So so tell us a little bit as uh, about your work as president of BirdLife South Africa. Well, Jenny, I'm just very new honorary president of BirdLife South Africa, so I haven't really done much. But, you know, I'm so excited at getting involved with BirdLife South Africa. You know, they do such wonderful work in bird conservation. And I, I, I've i always known about them. You know, I've been in the uh, biology and zoology department at UCT. And, of course, BirdLife South Africa has always had interest in the Percy Fitzpatrick Institute here at UCT as well as elsewhere, but through the Fitzpatrick Institute, I've always been aware of them, and I'm really so excited to be involved with them, and I'm looking forward to getting involved in their work in the conservation of birds and, you know, trying to to help wherever I can. So I haven't actually done much yet. I'm not even president or honorary president for a month yet, but I'm really (laughs) looking forward to doing more. And I I just think that there's so much that I can actually help with, you know, in the sense that um, I feel that I will be able to contribute. I, I mean, one of the things is I'm interested in birds, because I'm also interested in the ancestors. And I yes. know that all our understanding of the ancestors of birds comes from just the fossilized hard parts. But here mm. we have the descendants of dinosaurs, and they're just incredible. I, I love birds. I'm actually quite an avid bird watcher myself. I'm not, uh, you know, really, really good, but I certainly enjoy watching birds, and I love, um, you know, going out and looking at birds also. So for me, it's just uh, um, it's just quite wonderful to be able to contribute and to be able to save birds 
from becoming extinct like their dinosaur relatives. And I think, you know, it's important that we raise awareness about endangered species and that people on the ground need to realize that we have such incredible biodiversity on our planet and birds are part of that biodiversity. And there's something that every one of us can do to protect and conserve these species. You know, in, in many cases, people are not even aware. But I think that if we raise awareness about the issues that birds face, about the, the problems that birds actually have in the environment, then maybe we would be able to mitigate these effects. So, Professor, that's exciting, and I look forward to seeing how that contribution continues throughout your presidency, which is only one month old, but it's, uh, hopefully it's going to last the full four terms. I'm very interested in uh, uh, some of the things I've been reading about you, about enticing young women in particular, and young men, of course, um, into the field of science. And what I was hoping for in the discussion we had um, from the top of the hour down to now is that people would be so inspired, as I am, um, that, that they would think, well, if this is what paleontology is about, why don't I study it? And, and there's so many different fields that you can go to within paleontology itself, of course. It doesn't just have to be Tyrannosaurus rex. It could be the tongue skulls, for instance. I mean, there are millions of things. Why would – try and persuade somebody who is young, who is now 17, one year left of school, and then is looking at, at their future – why would they go into science? Why would, for instance, they go into paleontology? Well, you know, one is I've always been uh, committed to science promotion and I've done a lot of work in science engagement and science communication because I grew up in South Africa and I only came into science by quite an accident. I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But... What I did have was curiosity. And I think that's what is the driving force behind anyone wanting to go into science. You have to be interested, you have to be curious, and you have to be wanting to know how do things happen, why do things happen. And that curiosity is what drives the um, people into science and continues to, to keep people in science. And I often say that, you know, if a person is interested in um, asking these questions about why and what and how, you know, these are the very basis of science. And that investigative nature is what leads people into science. And once people realize that, you know, there's actually a name for this and it's actually science, you, you can, uh, or what, what people find is that they get to be drawn into these fields. And many people, I know many of my um, colleagues or, or who are uh, people of color, didn't actually know that they were interested in science when they were growing up. They, like me, just chose the, the topics and the subjects and they ended up in science. And of course, we love where we are today. Nowadays, of course, I think it's very important that we talk to young people and show them the wonderful wide range of careers that are available in science. So paleontology is 
was something I didn't even know about. I, honest to God, I didn't even know there was a field of paleontology. I literally got drawn into the field only while at university. And once I understood there was this fascinating field that we knew so little about and that research would be able to um, to allow us to reconstruct these animals that we, we know nothing about, I was hooked. And from my other year, I got drawn into paleontology. But I, I always say that when I talk to people about getting into science, it's not just about getting into paleontology. There are so many other wonderful careers, wonderful things that people can do. But once they find their passion and they find, you know, this is what I could do, this is what I could contribute, then children and young people actually find that they, they drive themselves into the field. They basically want to know more. They do more. And when I look at my students today, I have um, currently 11 people in my lab, and they are all so passionate. They're so dynamic. They're so passionate about the things that they want to do. And it's really so exciting for me to see this growing young uh, body of students who will be able to contribute to science in the future. And if I extend that to my rest of my department, it's just wonderful. Well, listen, I think that your enthusiasm, if, if nothing else, would, would make me sign up. And I really am looking forward to meeting you and having a much longer discussion. I really, I really want to know the difference between pterodactyls and, and flying dinosaurs, for instance. Don't tell me now, um, because there isn't enough time. But, but I have loved talking to you. So I, I honestly and truly, I know that uh, BirdLife South Africa have been listening. And so I'm going to speak to Mark and say the next time you're up in Johannesburg, please include me in the um, in the audience or the conversation. I really enjoyed this. So thank you very, very much indeed for staying with us. Thank you, Jenny. Can, before I go, can I quickly just say something? Yes. Am I allowed? Okay, so tomorrow, the 3rd of, uh, not tomorrow, Monday, 3rd of August, I have a free online course starting, and it's called Extinctions Past and Present, and it's completely free. People can sign up on Future Learn, and it's a five-week-long course, so people can enjoy that. So it's on Future Learn? Yeah, futurelearn.com, and it's called Extinctions Past and Present. Well, I might just do that myself. So thank you very much indeed. Absolutely lovely. And I look forward to meeting you. So thank you so much. That's Anusia Chinsani Turan. And uh, what a treat that has been. Saturdays with Jenny, 9 to 11 a.m. on Kaya FM. 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.